All right, it's my turn. Hang on, hang on. Uh, let's see, finding the right spell. See, this one causes fire damage. That might be good. No, no. Yeah, I need something that's not an area attack. Shocking grasp. Nope, nope, not close enough for that. Do I have enough spell slots for magic missile? Yes, I do. I'll cast magic missile for six points of damage. Okay, it's your turn. I hit it. My turn already? Oh, goodness. Um, well, now that I'm out of that spell slot, I should probably use one of my cantrips. I could use Firebolt, but uh, do they have an immunity to fire damage? Just hit it! That's what I do. Hit, hit, hit. It works every time. Just hit it. And then hit it again! On this episode of Becoming DM, we are continuing our occasional series uh, called Dealing With. This time, we're talking about fighters. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Felicia. And we are back for yet another episode of Dealing With. Um, again, mm-hmm. in case you uh, you missed the last one, this is where we talk about classes and uh, and hope to give a little bit better understanding of what uh, the capabilities of the classes are, how to integrate them into your campaign, and mm-hmm. and really how to challenge them as well. Um, but uh, before before we can begin, Felicia, have you dealt with a whole lot of fighters in either playing or running games? Why, yes, John, I have. One fighter, one solitary fighter, that would have been my husband, who is a dwarf fighter. Ah, nice. So yes. my first character, in fact, I, I looked this up earlier today, and I still have the character sheet from when I was in elementary school back in the 80s. And uh, my first ever character was a fighter. Um, I don't play them a whole lot, but I do have... Uh, in my Pathfinder game, I have a I have a fighter there, and in one of the D and D games I I play, there's uh, there's a couple of fighters in the party that we're in. So, um, have had a decent amount of experience with them, though I haven't played with them a lot since uh, mm-hmm. since the eighties. Yeah, for sure. I um I, w- I was trying to think back on other players that have kind of come and gone in my group. I may have had one other person that was a fighter as well, but they didn't really stay around. So, yeah, I would say my husband Renee would be like the most consistent long-term fighter that I've had but you know I've I've been learning along with him um you know as far as like what his fighters you know capabilities are and how you know things change when he levels up um so it's it's definitely been a learning experience for me yeah and I, I think that there is um a misconception out in the in the role playing world that that fighters are are boring but I don't think boring. I don't think that really any class is boring as long as you make it what you want it to be. So, mm. um, yeah, the 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 options for fighters may not be as like fully full fledged as some of the others, but there's some interesting things you can do still. So yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think I think I mean that's kind of how it come goes with classes in general. Is that there's you know going to be good things and maybe not so good things or just things that they're kind of significantly known for and others that I, they aren't. And, um, I mean, I, I myself have always been kind of drawn to spellcasters, but I think mm-hmm. that plays to my personal, you know, my personal, um, preferences and my own disposition. And I can definitely see why like Renee had chosen a fighter, which is sort of funny. It's like <laughs> kind of like our relationship. I'm terribly overly complicated. 
um, <laughs> and so, so anxiety driven and second guessing all of my choices. Whereas Renee is just like, just barrels through and just smashes it and sees what happens. I thought you were going to say that you're a spellcaster in real life. And I was like, wow, you have, have not told me some things. <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, John. Oh, little did you know. <laughs> um, so let's kind of get into into uh, kind of a high-level overview of the class. And, and Fighter is yeah. one of those classes. They've been around since the very beginning when there were only a handful of classes and you could choose a race mm-hmm. to be your, your class. Um, <laughs> and And... So I feel like a lot of people, if you just say fighter, they probably know what they are, uh, but mm-hmm. but not everything that you would consider a fighter is a fighter. So just because mm-hmm. somebody's like an NPC, for instance, is in the military, does not make them a fighter. Just because they wield a sword and throw it around does not make them a fighter. Um, mm. Fighters are a combat-oriented class, and uh, and they are pretty versatile in the in the things that they can use. We'll talk about that a little later. And, uh, but yeah, they're, they're kind of, they've been around for a long time. So for sure. And, and I'm sure as many of you know, when it comes to fighters, like you were saying, pretty much all weapons, all shields, all armor as well apply for, um, your fighters as well. You know, they're a very strong class. Yep. And, and because of that, their, their kind of primary, uh, stats are going to be really strength and then dexterity. And mm-hmm. I, I think that, that focusing on strength is one of the reasons that, that some people may say, oh, they're a boring class or whatever. Because if you look at the skills section, both in, in Pathfinder uh, First Edition and in D&D, there really aren't many skills that are tied to strength. There's <laughs> uh, in, in D&D, it's just athletics, if I'm not mistaken. And then in Pathfinder, yeah. you've got um, swim and I think maybe athletics as well. I, I'm not going to remember the the second one, but it's it's pretty limited. There's lots in dexterity. There's a fair amount in wisdom, intelligence, mm-hmm. but uh, intelligence, yeah. But yeah, charisma. Um, so I mean, with your primary stat not having a lot of skills, I can see why might some people might say, yeah, they're not all that exciting or whatever. But they just Hulk smash their way through the entire campaign. <laughs> Uh, they do get a D10 for hit die so uh, in both mm-hmm. games. So they get a, a decent amount of hit points. Um, and I, I like that uh, a lot of the folks that I see play fighters have some sort of military background with them. Um, not everybody. Yeah. does. What's what's uh, Renee's fighter? Does he have a background that to, to speak of? Or Yeah, I believe he, he like fought in a war and he was in like some sort of dwarven army. And then after the war was over, his character kind of wandered, not really knowing what his purpose was. And then he discovered how much he enjoyed brewing beer. (laughs) (laughs) So then he started his own beer brewing business uh, and been doing that for a while. And then came out of retirement when he came across the group that we have now and discovered how much he really enjoys adventuring as well. So um, that was kind of his little little backstory. Yeah. And and. Having that military backstory, I think, opens up a lot of different options for uh, for storylines, for tie-ins, mm-hmm. things like that. And we'll talk about that a little later in the episode. But um, because uh, I see a lot of fighters that have that military background because it explains why they have the skills that they have. But that really, yeah. I think, plays into into some of the things you can do in game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, also the type of people you come across. Yep. So... Uh, let's kind of get into the class features, and I'm going to let you kick this one off. Bum, bum, bum. All right. Um, so talking D&D on my end here, 
Um, you know, when you're level one fighter, fresh, brand new fighter, um, you know, you get to choose a fighting style. So, um, you know, your specialty can be archery, it can be two-weapon fighting, defense, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, and then the bonus is for certain styles of fighting. Um, and then you also get second wind, uh, which, you know, you get to use um, on your turn as a bonus action to regain hit points. And I believe it's a 1d10 plus whatever level you're at. Um, so in this case, if you're like a level 2, it would be like 1d10 plus 2 um, in order for you to, to get that. Um, and I, I'll say, when we were talking about this before we recorded the episode... I mm-hmm. have played with a number of fighters, um, and I've I've I don't know that I've ever seen them use second wind. In fact, when I was reading no. through the book to prep for this episode, I saw second wind, and I was like, "What huh. is that? <laughs> <laughs> what is this second wind?" <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, Renee. When we play, just recently, and he's like level five now or six, I think, and he just realized that he had it because um, he is so focused. And we'll go into this later, but he was so focused on his other um, capabilities, just completely forgot that he even had it. He was always just like, how do I have more power? How can I fight more? Uh, and then completely forgets that like he can actually use his turn um, <laughs> to actually help him regain lost hit points. Um, I think sometimes he just now it's like he's aware of it, but he just takes the chance. Like, can I smash it before it kills me? <laughs> is his mentality. Like, he, I'm not going to waste a turn while like, healing myself. That's... That's not the way of the dwarves, you know. So, um, so yeah. So now, now that he knows that it's there, I think he, now he just willingly ignores it. <laughs> well, the thing to kind of keep in mind yeah. when you're talking about second wind, it is a bonus action. So you could feasibly yeah. attack and then use second wind to uh, to regain those hit points and and still have your 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 attack action that turn, and then uh, and go from there. Or in Renee's opinion, you could smash and then, as a bonus action, smash again. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's his whole um, thing. But uh, what about for Pathfinder? What um, what do you get for starting off? Bonus feats. Um, so, mm. uh, just like your characters can get feats as they progress normally uh, with 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 the fighter, you get a bonus feat at level one, and then you get a mm. Uh, bonus feat at every even level after that so level two four like two four et cetera, et cetera. six i see and and this is just kind of one of the key differentiators i think between pathfinder and D is that mm-hmm. by choosing those feats you're really creating that customized character that is very specific to how you want to build it whereas mm-hmm. um whereas D is a more easy play style but it's it's more templatized where you check this box and you get these things uh because bonus feet you could you could say i want to get cleave for my bonus feet and that allows <laughs> me to attack if i if two guys are next to each other and i hit one i can i can hit the other with that same swing so mm. but and, and there's all sorts of feats in there but uh that is i i think one of the cool things about pathfinders that you just have that very very nitty-gritty way of building out your character to be exactly what you want it to be for sure, that little personalization. Yep. Like, um, so, yeah, if you level up to level two, and we're not going to go into every single level, but just kind of the initial ones here that are most significant to um, what we're talking about. But Renee's personal favorite, which is the action surge. 
um, which essentially is on your turn. You can take an additional action, and then um, you take a long rest, and then you can re-up on that, get another one per long rest. But he loves the action surge. There is never a time in any combat situation he has not <laughs> used his action surge. And we were talking about that whole second wind as bonus action. No, nope, no. Nope. He would say, no, nope, poo-poo on that. I'm using the action surge. <laughs> yeah. It's Renee's way. The, uh, the, I will say that the action surge is the one that I definitely knew about because every D&D mm-hmm. fighter that I have played with <laughs> leverages that pretty heavily. Yeah, because why hit once when you can hit twice? Yep. Now, but the thing is, it is, it is once per long rest. So you do have to be a little bit yeah. strategic with how you implement it. Uh, so yes. it's not super overpowered or anything by that means. Uh, it just gives you the opportunity to either do more damage or make up for a, a lost hit or something. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then Pathfinder, you get, what was it? You get bravery. Bravery. Yeah. So um, if you're doing any sort of will saves against fear, it gives you a plus one bonus on those will saves and it, and that increased by plus one every four levels after that. So by the time you get to like 16th level, you should be pretty immune to those, <laughs> those will saves against fear. But uh, Ooh, only in those fearful situations though. Yeah. And it really depends on how you run your game and what sort of things that you're having your players come up against that that may or may not come into play it just it depends on uh on the type of game you're running so like you know really good like haunted house <laughs> campaign <laughs> like oh you ghosts don't scare me well and it's like if you have uh if they're fighting against spellcasters that cast uh things like that and i have uh, for the fighters that, that is in my uh, in my game, they have run against a, a spellcaster that cast spells that had a, a fear effect. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was useful for them in that situation. But it's a, it's kind of uh, a little more niche, we'll say. <laughs> niche. Hmm. Um, okay, so moving on, if we go up to level three in D anD D, you get to choose an archetype and. Um, Renee, look, we get to choose from several options. You have your champion, your battle master, um, your eldritch knight, um, or, or the three primary ones you can choose from. Renee chose battle master and appealed to him, I think, um, for his type of, uh, fighter. But you said when you were a fighter that they didn't have these options, right? No, uh, back in <laughs> the old red box days, uh, no, it was not, it was not an option to choose an archetype, uh, and and the key thing to keep in mind is that aside from those three, if you use any of the expansions like like the Xanthar's Guide to Everything, um, I'm not sure mm-hmm. what other ones have them, but there there are potentially other martial archetypes that they could choose from. Uh, you as the DM have to decide whether you want to include that uh, that extra material in there, uh, and and whether or not they get to choose uh, one of those archetypes. But uh, unless mm-hmm. there's just a compelling reason not to include it, I don't see re- reason why not to. Hmm. And then Pathfinder, you said um, you get something special for level three, right? Yep. At level three, you get armor training. So uh, that's going to increase your max dex bonus, uh, your max dexterity bonus check uh, allowed by one to a maximum of, of plus four. And it reduces your armor check penalty by one to a minimum of zero. So makes uh, makes wearing armor a little uh, takes takes a little less away from you when you when you wear mm-hmm. that. Makes you a little bit more uh, flexible to dodge those hits and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Um, and then moving on to let's say it's just level five, for example. At least in in D anD D, you just you get an extra attack, so you can act, attack twice on a turn instead of once. Um, what about Pathfinder? 
Yeah, and with that extra attack, um, once you get to 11, you get three, and then mm -hmm. at 20, you get four. So it just I haven't even looked that far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> We're still in the single digits when it comes to like our levels. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, from from the Pathfinder perspective, at level five, you get weapon training. So you train for mm. a group of weapons, and whenever you attack with that weapon, you get plus one to attack and damage rolls. And yep. um, with weapon training, you get uh, additional weapon training at, at future levels um, and if you choose a different group it, this group still increases by one if I'm not mistaken when you get to that next weapon training le uh, group. Mm. Gotcha. And I think we mentioned this before of course but you have proficiency in all simple and martial weapons armors and shields it just goes with the territory of being a fighter. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And I mean thinking about it that that makes sense uh you wouldn't be that great of a fighter if you couldn't use your weapons <laughs> <laughs> lame <laughs> all right so let's talk about how to better integrate fighters into your game and you mm -hmm. may hear us say that and be like they're fighters how much more integration <laughs> do you need but they hit john they hit and hit <laughs> but I, I think that there's there's definitely some opportunity for ways to start out storylines that are focused around mm -hmm. the fighter that, that gets them more involved. Um, there's ways to give them situation in combat that allow them uh, allow them to shine. Um, mm -hmm. So let's kind of kind of dig into that. Um, get into it yeah for for the first thing i i think we mentioned before wars if you if you have a war going on in, in your world then um this can really uh be easy to to plug the fighter in just because mm -hmm. uh, of of potential work with the military and yep. again if they have that military background this can tie them in too even if they're retired from the military they could uh, they could run into an old battalion that they used to work with or or mm -hmm. something like that and and use that as a jumping off point for a story for sure um and and this was where I was saying for example uh you know in Renee's personal situation you know he fought in several wars and he kind of became disillusioned with the whole thing and then we had um you know where a couple you know um, sessions later you know, he came across, you know, family and friends that he had known from previous encounters and just kind of tied it into current scenarios. Now, technically, the campaigns I had done at the time, which were pre-made, um, didn't actually have, I didn't even actually make those connections. It was really funny. Renee was the one that, you know, <laughs> oh, this is my cousin or, oh, these are my battle friends, you know, from blah, blah, blah. Like, he just jumped right in and decided to make those connections for himself, which I was totally, you know, I was totally on board with. Yeah, it's great um, when your players do that for you. <laughs> yeah, why not? I was like, well, I guess I just don't have to DM at all tonight. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it it does. It creates really good, I think, context, if nothing else, um, for current and future campaign sessions. Yeah, and and having that military buddy, they can you can have them drop in and ask for a favor and and create a, a storyline out of there. And mm -hmm. just because it's a military buddy asking for help, it doesn't have to be combat. It could be like, hey, mm -hmm. can you help me find my, my daughter? Um, she's missing. And it could be a, a, a mystery of, of helping find something or something like that. So <laughs> Fighter's like, so when do I, when do I get to hit something or <laughs> smash something or, you know, fight? And again, with all of these, as we've said many, many times before, keep your players in mind. So if, if they mm. like that kind of, of game where 
they're not just hitting things, then go for it. Um, <laughs> if they don't care for it, then maybe uh, be a little bit lighter on that stuff. <laughs> a little lighter on the murder hoboing. Um, yeah, I, and that's always, you know, a big thing. I mean, and, and it's going to be pretty much guaranteed that if you do have a group of players, they're not all going to be the same class. They're going to be very different because they all have different things that they enjoy. So, of course, we I think we reiterate this practically every episode. Yep. Keep your players in mind. That was, Maybe we should just change the name of the podcast to keep your players in mind. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't forget, folks. All right. Um, so yeah, back, to, so, back to ways to get them into the, into the game. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so you were mentioning um, like the former military buddies, and this ties into something very similar. Maybe you had someone who, um, you know, like guard duty, escort duty. You know, this can be previous or current. Um, but, you know, if you want to do something besides something war-related – you know, um, escort duty, guard duty, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a caravan or maybe it's a fort or something like that, that they have to, um, you know, essentially protect, then those are really good opportunities for very strong, you know, characters that your players might be, um, playing. And then, um, you know, you were mentioning investigate, like, you know, the whole daughter kidnapping thing. Um, you uh, like here's like oh you know maybe there was something that happened maybe there there was a raid and you witnessed something and you have to follow through with it that can still be something that a fighter can um really be advantageous in if you will yeah and and the guard duty doesn't have to be like your standard fort caravan whatever yeah Um, it doesn't have to be think of all the places that your players have broken into in the past and that's (laughs) something that they could potentially be guarding a museum a warehouse a shop whatever um and and based upon what they're guarding, you could create kind of this storyline where they discover something as part of their guarding process, and mm-hmm. and that kind of pulls them into into the entire storyline. For sure, and and I think it's important to keep in mind that if you set this scenario, like the whole guard duty, don't fall into like the mindset that there's only one type of enemy out there that you're guarding against. I mean, sure, it could be enemy soldiers or raiders but it could also be a giant like a dragon it can be the undead it can be um you know zombies you know it can be different things not just your typical you know person on person kind of combat it could also be where you're hired by a criminal syndicate to guard one of their warehouses and you're guarding against the military so yeah i mean this can go so many ways yeah so another type of, uh, of of way to integrate them is, is just to provide them a, a clear out the enemy mission. So we mm-hmm. got these goblins in the hills. We want you to go clear them out. We got uh, yep. got these, a monster in the forest. Yeah, a monster in the forest kind of thing. And and like we have said on many of our our uh, favorite monsters, vary it up. So don't yeah. just choose to do the goblins. That's that's kind of easy. You could always choose something else that uh, that is level appropriate, but also something that they won't have experience with. So you can surprise them along the way with what mm-hmm. the monster's capable of. Or, or shoot, you know, you can even um, ver- like the variants can happen within the same scenario. You know, we had talked before about like kind of mixing the type of enemies that uh, you know attack at one time if you know they do feel so inclined to attack together mm. <laughs> but um you know this is a variance in in um enemies as well you know you have say like a whole slew if you will of undead but then there's also a necromancer that's like you know um controlling them from behind 
uh, or, you know, maybe you have, uh, you know, a whole bunch of skeletons, but you also have zombies or, you know, there's just opportunities where you can throw in different types at one time as well. Yep. And then you could do the, the standard rescue mission. So uh, maybe the, the buddy that, that said his daughter's missing knows exactly where she is and she, he just needs help rescuing her. Um, mm-hmm. um, rescue the princess from the dragon. I mean, you can go with the, the tropes <laughs> too. <laughs> Some, you got to start somewhere. Yep. In Darkwind, my character has a boat. And it's called the Yip Yaw. Why? I, I just kind of thought it would be a funny name. But that's the cool thing about Darkwind. You're free to do things like your, give your boat a name that might be stupid that you thought was funny at the time. That's right. Darkwind is our sponsor again for this episode. The massive text-based multiplayer role-playing game is free to play and quick to get started. You can do it right now. Just go to play.darkwind.org and sign up for free. And when you buy a boat, let me know if its name is better than Yip Yaw. But aside from those um, those types of encounters, one of the things to to keep in mind is is as uh, as having having a fighter in your game, you can also look at combat to give situations that can highlight their skills. So mm-hmm. if they've got um, as I mentioned before, the cleave feet or multiple attacks, um, mm-hmm. attack them with multiple enemies at once so that they have the opportunity yeah. to, to use that skill and, and wipe them out in one swoop. Uh, one fell uh, swoop. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, don't, don't keep them away just because you as the DM know that they have that skill because mm-hmm. the, the creatures or enemies that they're fighting don't necessarily know that this guy Ha- this guy can attack multiple times at once, um, at least when they first encounter them. He may change mm-hmm. their mind after they see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, another option, too, because I feel like we focused a lot on, maybe we're talking about combat, but, you know, um, in, in providing situations that can kind of highlight your player's assets, for example, you know, there are other options like different types of brawls or like a a ring fight like boxing or, you know, UFC kind of thing, if you will. Um, you know, you can provide a scenario where it's like, hey, you know, maybe um, you're trying to get information out of a certain person. And they're like, well, if you beat me, then I'll give you the information that I, that you're so, you know, that you're wanting, but only if you defeat me. You know, there's there's those types of like combat scenarios that you can also um, put your players in. And the interesting thing about doing those brawls is it's a, it's a different type of combat than they get into when they go out and, and hunt down kobolds, for instance. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're not, they're typically when you're in a brawl, you're not using weapons. It's, it's kind of that, that bare knuckle fighting or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so you're not getting um, any sort of weapon damage. You're just relying upon your fists. And so it's a different way of, of, approaching that and can be something interesting for for players to to experience for sure yeah um i think other potential opportunities for your um fighters to shine uh you know it's, it's things that like really challenge again like their strength and their dexterity and i i was telling you before i think like some sort of obstacle course would be kind of fun mm-hmm. um you know, or, you know, and if you want to put it in the form of like a gauntlet, you know, I'm thinking like Indiana Jones or like 
um, you know, Drake and Uncharted, you know, things where it's like, ah, you've got to like put your strength into it or your dexterity into it or, you know, just something like that that, um, you know, would require, uh, you know, the particular um, characteristics of your fighter. Well, and, and since fighters are are typically so heavily focused on strength, having something mm-hmm. like that that uses athletics checks um, to yeah. to get through again just gives them the chance to use a skill that they're they're good at um, rather mm-hmm. than something that they may not have have um, have a focus in or have a stat that gives them enough bonus things like that. Oh yeah, and I mean you can provide scenarios that like. Maybe traditionally, like, or or majority would be like, yeah, this is going to be more of a dex role. But you can, you know, I there are situations where I know that my two different players have two different strengths. Maybe one is more of a dex kind of a character, and then, say, Renee's is more of a strength. And I'll let Renee use his strength and the other player use their dex, even though it's the same scenario. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, like climbing a wall or a rope or, you know, um, jumping across something, you know, like I I may allow them to play on whatever their particular strongest skill is just because I want to try and accommodate the different characters, even though the scenario is the same. Yeah. And, and in that sort of out of combat situation, you could have like strength contests. So mm-hmm. maybe, I mean, I, I kind of, when I hear strength contests, I think of like a festival in a town where you got the big yeah. dumbbell that you hit and ring the bell and stuff like that, <laughs> but it could be arm wrestling. It could be, um, any sort of other things that, that re- really are just that strength contest, getting down, get, getting down to that and, and going from there. Mm-hmm. I think I was telling you before I was watching those videos of like the international slapping contest. He's <laughs> <laughs> like big, huge, burly men just slapping each other. Like, oh my goodness, like nobody's business. I was, and you see them get whacked and like they stumble back or they're they're you know, flying across the stage you're like oh my goodness and you're like why would they do that <laughs> why would they do this but you know hey okay i mean you get paid for it i guess if that's your thing <laughs> yep and, and the next kind of suggestion that we have really is less about uh highlighting the fighter but more about making other players manage their time uh, because yeah. when when you're a fighter, admittedly, when you're in combat, your your options are not as broad as some other players are. I'm thinking spellcasters. Mm-hmm. You 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 <laughs> want to hit it, and or you want to shoot your bow at it, and and that's generally it. Maybe you move around or whatever, but you don't have to look mm-hmm. through tomes to figure out how to hit. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, and and that's and as a you know, a person who played spellcasters myself, I get like how um, easy it is to kind of fall into that indecision, if you will, mm-hmm. of like just trying to figure out which spell you're going to use. But, um, you know, like you were saying, it's just you're considering all of your players and it's a balance. So like I like to put, you know, time constraints on my players, especially the spellcasters. You know, they get, say, like, 10 seconds to make that decision. And if they haven't, then it moves on to the next person. Their player is like a deer in headlights. Yep. Sorry. Well, and, and with especially with your games, you have enough people at the table that going around the entire table should be enough time for somebody to pick a spell as long as they're mm-hmm. focused on picking a spell while that's happening. Yeah, exactly. Like, it'd be like, use your time wisely. When it's not your turn, you should be deciding on your next move. Yep. Um, But you know, it's, that's just me, so... <laughs> All right, so we've talked about ways to be nice to fighters, integrating them into your game, stuff like that. Let's talk about challenging them. <laughs> yes, 
challenge accepted. Yeah. So when when you, especially within combat, you got to keep in mind that uh, your fighters are often often going to have high AC and and uh, fairly high bonuses to attack just because they're stacking all that stuff into strength, which is what their what their weapons are going to use for those bonuses oftentimes. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to kind of, one of the ways that I like to address that you leverage spells or effects that bypass uh, armor class. So, mm. uh, for instance, area of effect. So, magic yep. or a fireball uh, where they have to use their their saving throw to try mm-hmm. and get out of the way. No AC rule there, no roll to hit or anything like that. But there's also a number of other spells like magic missile that hits automatically. Burning hands, burning which is hands. another yep. area of effect, um, um, things like that. So yeah, um, because we all know that your fighter's AC is going to be like it's over nine thousand. <laughs> anything that's going to like require hit is just is probably not going to happen. Yep. Quite honestly. Um, so the other thing too is is uh, we were talking about you know um, challenging fighters and you know switching up combat in and of itself, uh, the mechanics, for example, within that scenario is a way to do it as well. I mean, you had a really good idea or example that you um, had mentioned. Yeah, so I have uh, a scenario that I'll, I'll give the, the warning to my players. If you're listening, stop now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Spoiler alert. That it's potentially coming up. Uh, I think I've mentioned that there's this uh, this faction in my, in my game that is trying to destroy uh, all magic. And so they have this mm. massive forge to destroy those magic items. And mm-hmm. I have plans, and we'll see if they happen, of having this fight in the area that the forge is in. And the, and the problem is that because the forge is consuming these magical items, it just keeps mm-hmm. heating and keeps heating and keeps heating unless some manual processes to, to release some of that heat happen. And so during the fight, uh, players are going to have to juggle fighting and attacking mm-hmm. and and doing some of these manual processes to to actually release that heat because if it gets too hot then they'll start taking damage damage mm. or minuses to attack i haven't decided on those specific mechanics yet. <laughs> but but it it will be a negative effect if they keep on just fighting without doing anything well, that's interesting yeah that i i might have to steal your idea, John. So if my players are listening, <laughs> stop now too. Well, I guess it's too late by now, right? Go, go back in time and stop then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop listening, but go back and do it. <laughs> Pretend you heard nothing. Yeah. Um, um, additionally, for for switching up combat, you can you can add in terrain that they're they're not mm-hmm. really used to. So yep. Um, I, I like to include like piles of trash and and stuff like that. That's that's <laughs> difficult. Tr- well, I mean trash or. I, I, it's trash we everywhere. Had a, we had a uh, we had a, a an encounter where the party was was basically crossing from one army to another, and there was this town that was in the middle that was kind of the battleground and had been really decimated. Most the most of the buildings had been knocked over, so there there was rubble and trash that they had to make their way over, mm. and they started getting into a fight in the middle of this. And so, anytime they went into into this this hill of rubble or whatever they were moving at half speed which meant that they couldn't catch Mm. up to whoever they were trying to get to as fast as they wanted to they could take pot shots things like that so yeah and i think another really great example of that like you know forcing your players to slow down is if you have like a setting in a swamp Mm -hmm. for example um or even in a jungle and maybe there's quicksand or something like that 
you know, options where, like you were saying, it makes them, it makes it difficult for them to physically move from one point to another. Yep. And I think that's, those are really great ways to, to challenge them. Um, or you can go vice versa and make something that's crazy, crazy hard to even stand or move on, like ice. Yep. Um, or hey, you know, is it like the rolling logs on water? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And like play your own Good frogger luck with game that. there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, or that you have to like con- constantly like dodge something. Like, you know, if maybe you're fighting a monster, but that monster is also hurling something like large stones at you or something. Not only do you have to fight it, but then you also have to dodge. Yeah, and it could even be where you're not, where they're not throwing stuff at you. You're fighting enemies that are just fighting you, but there's uh, maybe an avalanche going on or a rock slide going Ooh. on at the same time, and those things are coming yes. at you. And so it's not a, they're not rolling to hit you, but you're making uh, reflex or dexterity saving throws to, to get mm-hmm. out of the way of these things in addition to, to fighting these things. So, for sure. And, uh, you know, there's another way to like, switch up i wouldn't say this is related but kind of not but you know we're talking about making things challenging for your player always keep in mind like i i find for like renee when he's playing he always has a tendency to wear his heaviest armor because that gives him the most defense right that gives him the most Mm -hmm. uh, ability to protect himself but i always like to throw in scenarios before they go into combat that like his armor would be a hindrance like Maybe you have to swim across a river or maybe, you know, um, there's something where it, like it does, it requires like a lot of dexterity or you have to jump or something like that. And that weighed armor, that weighted armor, um, you know, is going to end up being a liability versus an asset um, or stealth. You know, it's like you can only be so quiet with the clanking of metal on metal. Right. And and that that situation could also be um, maybe the environment you're in makes it uh, yeah. not conducive to, to wear armor. Like maybe there's a significant discharge of electricity that, that if you get <laughs> hit, it does significantly more damage if you're wearing armor. I'm just kind of spitballing here, but, but, um, but not in, a terrible it, idea though. In that, in that situation, they probably want to take their armor off. <laughs> this was a bad choice. Um, and, and this, okay. Like, so, you know, depending on the type of DM you are and how you want to dole out these lessons learned. Um, I'm a little nicer in this particular respect. I usually like to remind, um, you know, said fighter, husband of mine, um, that he might want to remove his armor. Um, though I do plan on, uh, as he gets maybe a little higher in levels, maybe not giving that little tidbit to him and seeing if he actually remembers it himself. I mean, otherwise he's just going to like do really badly on, you know, these scenarios. So. Yep. And moving on, uh, ways to challenge attack in mass. <laughs> attack. Um, we mentioned in episode four, way back in episode four, again, that's becoming mm-hmm. slash EP four. Um, that was an episode on incorporating monsters and treasure into your campaign. Rather than adding more powerful enemies to combat, you should add yeah. more enemies of, of lower power um, just because the action economy will work in their favor. Now, with the fighter mm-hmm. getting more attacks and stuff like that, then there's a little bit more of a balancing effect there. But having more enemies that he can't attack all in one turn allows you mm-hmm. to to surround them and 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 make multiple attacks. And even if those attacks don't have as many bonuses, you're, you're more likely to hit in the long run. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, 
I, I had done this a lot when I was playing initially was, you know, it was like more about quantity and trying to, I think my efforts were more that I was trying to spread the love, if you will, um, <laughs> making sure that all my players got a little piece of the action. Um, but in, in this case now, you know, with everyone being high level, um, or higher level, I guess, if you want to call level five a high level, but, um, you know, a lot of times it is, it's just, it's trying to provide just diversity in, in challenge, um, for players, because you know, you're right. Like I don't always want to give them a huge, very high level, difficult (laughs) NPC to fight, you know? So it's kind of nice to kind of sprinkle that in there. Well, and, and with that high level in NPC that they're fighting, Mm -hmm. if, if they have multiple attacks and stuff like that, they can wipe them out in a turn uh, because yeah, done, son. they're all concentrating fire and the fighter's On taking his two attacks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that's why you have to have like the powerful necromancer with his little army of skeletons. Yep. Telling you. Um, um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say along those same lines, you can have enemies that multiply or regenerate uh, as, as you yes. mentioned with your, uh, your black pudding talk, right? Oh my God. I love black pudding so much, almost <laughs> as much as I love owlbears, but black puddings are amazing just because um, there's so many things that can go wrong for your players when it comes to fighting a black pudding, you know, um, for example, you know, we all know that, you know, the black pudding, um, you know, it has that corrosive form. So anything that touches it, um, like in a in a attack, is going to take that acid damage. Now it's for any non magical weapon, of course. But um, you know, if, if your person tries to touch it, or if a weapon touches it, it's going to deal damage to that weapon, and you could, you know, um, potentially lose that weapon if you keep trying to hit it. Um, and then, of course, you know, it has that split reaction. So you know, if it's slashed. Um, and it has at least 10 hit points. Well, bam, now guess what? You've got two black puddings. Yep. So it's just one of those like creatures that I just really love to dole out, especially knowing that I have a high-level fighter because it's just like it kind of throws a curveball at them. Yeah, and speaking of damaging weaponry, there are other monsters out there that damage weaponry, so that can be a mm-hmm. way of challenging fighters. What I would say is use that with a little bit of restraint just because sometimes fighters are going to have that weapon that like this is my weapon. This is my mm-hmm. axe. And and so if you <laughs> take that axe. axe away from them, they might not take it well. <laughs> well, maybe they need to learn that lesson, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another way to, to <sighs> challenge them is to uh, use enemies that require an extra, extra action. Uh, we talked mm. about Sturges before where yep. once they attach you, you have to basically take an action to take them off. And so that mm-hmm. leaves the fighter... Leaves the fighter saying, "Do I use my my action surge here so I can take it off and kill it, or what do I what do I do in this situation?" It's like, yeah, or do you help your fellow comrades that are also falling prey to these sturges? Yep. You know, maybe they were unsuccessful in their roles to try and get the thing off. So, yeah, it just creates a little bit of like, oh man, like you're in the moment and you know you have to like kind of think on your feet. Yep. What are you gonna do? Um, Regeneration is always a fun one of mine. You know, it comes like zombies or skeletons or whatever that happen to regenerate. Those are really great because, you know, you think that you shot them down, but you didn't. They're coming back up. They just keep coming back. (laughs) Right. And then remember earlier when we were talking in a previous episode, um, which was like our favorite monsters. And we were talking about that shambling mound. Mm -hmm. And you you had given that example about like how your players thought they'd killed it. But since they didn't get the roots, it just ended up coming back. And that's perfect. Little like... (laughs) little like sequel you know you watch a scary movie and then after the credits there's like a little little tidbit of like oh but is there gonna be a sequel yep 
I, I've done I've done like little cutscenes to, to my players before to show them that hey, you you didn't get them like you thought, but it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I I like to inject just a little bit of like humorous challenge when it comes to you know fighters or or you know like Renee for example um when he always tries to rely on his strength to do something because if there's a locked doorway he's going to try and smash through it if there's a sarcophagus that needs to be open he's going to try and fling off the lid you know it, just anything that involves the potential for him to smash it or fling it or crush it he's <laughs> going to try and do and so i have tried to provide scenarios that require a little more finesse so if he tries to hulk smash through it it's going to trigger something um that's gonna be bad juju like if he'll try to like i did this last one where um we had a sarcophagus and it required a lot of strength to open and he opened it and guess what out comes an ochre jelly (laughs) have fun yeah um creating those situations where they have to do something other than uh the wheelhouse is is always going to be something that uh, to challenge a, a player regardless of the class and mm-hmm. and speaking of regardless of the class, uh, like we mentioned with with rogues in our our uh, dealing with rogues episode, you can always build an NPC that they have to fight. That's basically the player uh, use the yes. same same sort of skills, the same sort of tactics, things like that. Um, this is, I think, for any any class, this is going to be a recommendation. So you'll probably hear this again. <laughs> yes, like their evil doppelganger. Yep, I love it. It's like, like yeah, when we win in doubt, just. You have them fight themselves. Yeah, because mm. they probably won't have thought about how they would deal with themselves if they had to fight themselves. So I know, exactly. And it's one of those great things where, like, if you're doing one of those, like, gauntlets type things or trying to get out of, it could be, like, one of those really cool rooms to have where, like, you know, maybe it's an illusion, but they don't know that until they've, you know, fought themselves to a certain extent, you know, like, face your greatest fear. Yep. So. Well, I think that was all we wanted to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So thank, sure. thank you for joining us. We will be having more of these dealing with episodes in the future. But until then, <laughs> stay, stay nerdy, nerdy friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. As always, it really helps when you share the show with friends to help increase our listenership. Send them to our website, becomingdm.com. Or Facebook, we are facebook.com slash becomingdm. And on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then. <laughs>